Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All time? That's exactly what we're going to. We're going to talk how to talk greatest of all time on The Greg DeMarco Show. Oh, Phoenix! <laughs> hey, yo. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. It's Pastor Down. You straight punk bitch! I mean, you're just gonna replace me. Shut up! Randy Morales. The biggest slut in the Western Hemisphere. Why do I have to have a buzzer? You are now and will forever be an asshole. Because it's my show. And I love you, Greg. You guys know how to party. You're welcome. Sometimes you sit down in front of a microphone and you have no idea what you want to talk about that evening. It happens in podcasting, especially when you've been doing this for... I think, are we hitting 11 years or 12 years? We're hitting 12 years. Uh, yes, we are hitting 12 years in May. Wow. We started this thing in 2011. So, yeah, it's 2013. So. Yeah, that's me. That is you. I'm, I'm reading your message to me in the chat. So. Well, hey, they, at least it doesn't beep like your Skype calls. That, that'll probably happen. It's not Skype calls. It's Skype messages. Oh, Skype messages, my best. So, so let's try this again. So I played a soundbite, and you could barely hear it, huh? Something, it was really garbled, yeah. So I'll just take your word for it. Like, you you could rip on me left and right today, it sounds like, and I'm not going to even know. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, Clear so then I can't rip on you left and right unless I do it with soundbites, because... Which you've done in the past. This is my yard now. Yes, oh, but see, I heard that one. See, that's weird because it, it's coming through. It's showing up on, on the little bars that bounce up and down. This is my yard now. I don't know. Definitely heard Roman Reigns. Acknowledge me. That one? Acknowledge him. That one? Nope. 
Is it just the Adam Cole soundbite that you can't hear? No, I couldn't hear any of our like opening intro. Really? Like when you played it, I heard like a, I heard you straight punk bitch because of course the world hates me. But uh, like outside of that, like I didn't hear much more uh, of. We'll wing it. So, but anyway, you were you were talking. By the way, this is Patrick O'Dowd, wrestling realist himself at W R E S T L N G R E A L I S T, introducing himself on the Greg DeMarco show here on the Chair Why is it W R E S T L N G? Why? Why? What's a what's a funny little anecdote that people can use to remember your Twitter handle? Because there there's no I in wrestling. There is one I in realist. I didn't say it the way you did. I get it. There is an iron realist. And there is an iron Patrick. And there is an iron Patrick. For the best friend, the wrestling realist, Patrick O'Dowd. W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G. I was going to get there. R-E-A-L-I-S-T. Greg DeMarco, 4-4, at ChairShot Media. ChairShot.com, always use your head. TheChairShot.com. Always use your Head. iTunes, Spotify, iHeart, Google Play, so many more. Like, subscribe, leave a five star review. Be a friend, tell a friend. Go to thechairshot.com. Sports, entertainment, sports, entertainment, so much more. It's thechairshot.com. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. You heard that one because you were finger dancing to it. Yeah. Uh, oh, and prowrestlingtees.com forward slash chairshot. All of Pick the chairshot shirt needs. Chairshot t shirt. Where? Prowrestlingtees.com. Forward slash. The chair shot. Shut your dumb mouth. Okay. So now we can just go to commercial. We're good on commercial breaks now, right? Except for the actual commercial breaks. Yes. But so here's what happened, right? We're sitting there, we're talking and, and, and we got on this greatest of all time conversation about how athletes, it's hard to compare, right? It's hard to compare. Who'd you say was the greatest baseball player of all time? Greatest football player of all time. Uh, not the great, well, greatest footballer, Red Grange. Red Grange, right. Like the 1930s. Who no one like would the say. They would say Tom there. Brady, Joe Montana, Dan Marino, right. Pat Mahomes maybe someday in that conference. Like there's so many right. they could say, right? Um, and and it comes up in wrestling all the time. And it came up recently because it was a Facebook post or a Twitter tweet. I don't know. But basically somebody was complaining because – WWE, as they like to do, would was, was anoint, they anoint people. And Roman Reigns has been calling himself the greatest of all time. And some commentators are getting in on that. Of course, for, for a while, it's like how Seth freaking Rollins, freaking is attached to Seth Rollins' name at this point. So is the greatest of all time, John Cena. And some people took major exception to that because for many... Well, I'll ask you, Patrick O'Dowd, for many amongst the internet circles and, and elsewhere, the greatest of all time moniker belongs to whom? Uh, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. The Nature Boy, Ric Flair, who I love and, and have on the old Mount Rushmore. And I think many yep. do. And it, tremendously influential and, and all that. And that's where the conversation came up because because is, is, is the greatest of all time, it's, it sounds great to say. It's cute. It's right. fun. We love it. Is it even really possible to anoint anybody the greatest of all time? The history of time and space since Abraham Lincoln first participated 
participated in a professional wrestling contest up until last Monday night on Raw when Becky Lynch beat Bailey in the steel cage with the assist from Lita. I say all that like I watch it. I haven't seen it yet because it's been real freaking busy around here. But can we legitimately anoint one person from that entire time continuum as the greatest of all time? Is that even possible? No. I mean, the answer is no. In my humble opinion. Because it's funny, you mentioned Flair. If you were to go back to Flair's peak when he was running the show uh, with Crockett and ask 40-something slash older wrestling fans who may be still watching Crockett, who the greatest wrestler of all time is, they probably wouldn't say Ric Flair. They'd probably say Luthez. Or Harley um, Race or Bruno or San Martino. Race. Right. And so it's – this is why I, I – and this all – for me with athletes and, and I think for pro wrestling too, for something that has been in existence as long as professional wrestling, and it's been around for a really long time now, people. Like, I mean, we, you know, it has its, you know, oh, damn near a century, really. Um uh, of history there's an evolution and, and i'm much more comfortable talking about greatest of x y and z eras which even in professional wrestling is kind of tough to articulate and define like with sports i will often talk about it in decades and you can kind of do that with wrestling too but the the, the industry has evolved and changed so much that it's really hard to look at somebody and be like, this person is the greatest to have ever done it. And no one will come ever since. I mean, you know, people, people now argue that Michael Jordan, you know, wasn't the greatest basketball player of all time. And then you look at somebody our age and and Michael Jordan was straight up greatest basketball player of, of his time. And you almost get indignant. I, I like I get indignant when people are like LeBron James greater than, or Kobe was greater than Jordan or whatever. And in this, you know, in this, I could see that too. Like people get indignant. These Ric Flair fans, for example, to utilize yours, like you can't wrap your head around it because one, he enthralled you at sort of your peak, enamoring, you know, being enamored with the industry, like whether it be that you were younger or whatever it is, like that that era spoke to you, and so he being the pinnacle of that era and not even and in the eighties, Greg, you've kind of got two different eras to, to talk about. Cause you know, up North, like if you were a WWF guy, you're arguing Hulk Hogan's greatest of all time. Yeah. I mean, that was the big debate. That was the big debate was who was, who, who was the one was it flair? Was it Hogan? And you know, we talked about this like a couple weeks ago about the match that happened too late, like in the eighties, one of the big talks was getting Flair and Hogan in a ring in the 80s. Like, who would yeah, win? Yeah, we just talked about that. Everybody yeah. Backed their guy. Yeah, everybody backed their guy. But even within eras, like, you can't even often define who is the greatest of that era. And and neither argument is a bad argument either, Greg. And I think that's the other thing that's really important. Um, neither of those guys in that particular example are, are, are bad arguments. It's it, and that's it. It's it's such a hard comparison. Like even nowadays, I mean, there are fans who who have started watching maybe during Cena's rise 
that think Cena is the greatest of all time and a bunch right. of old fuddy duddies are, are championing Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan. Like it's just, and they're all great. And so that's why I think greatest of their time, or I just, it's, it, I don't even know if that's fair because even Hogan and Flair and that argument, it still came down to two things. Number one, personal preference. And number two, business model. Because what the crop, right. what the NWA did was basically network a bunch of promotions and had a belt that they put on a champion and farmed that champion out all over the world to wrestle in 60-minute draws or get himself disqualified or lose the belt and not tell anybody and win it back the next day. Like, whatever they could do. Really, and it's funny, too, because when Billy Corgan bought the NWA, essentially he bought three letters and a belt is what he bought. Right. He doesn't even own the video library. WWE does. <laughs> yep. But it's funny because what he actually bought was the core of the NWA. It was a title. Without the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, which was the prize for so long, but that was the business model back then. And so Harley Race was doing it. Ric Flair was doing it. Dusty, when he went in, was a little different because he was babyface, so he could go in and just beat your top heel and be fine. But but right. you didn't want Flair or Race beating your top babyface because you needed those babyfaces to draw down the you know moving down the road. So you didn't do that. But it's but that was the business model. But for Hogan, that wasn't the business model. It was a babyface territory, like we talked about before, and it was all about. Hogan beating the monster or Hogan beating the nasty heel or Hogan beating whoever. And it was just completely different. And the businesses were both built on those. Now you could say one business beat out the other one in the end, whatever that that's, you know, neither here nor there, but like they both were great. And they, and they were just polar opposites and that's okay. And so one might say flair and one might say Hogan just because of personal preference. And if you grew up in New York and that's what you grew up on, you grew up on Bruno and then Hogan and and then, you know, eventually after Hogan, like you had Austin and Rock and then Cena and now finally Roman, like no one else could really take hold of. of if, if you think of the WBF gener, WWE generational champions, it literally goes mm-hmm. Bruno, Hogan, Austin slash Rock. So maybe you can't even count them. Right. Cena, Roman. Are you doing this for... Well, like the truly Triple H, Triple H, Triple H doesn't fit in there at all. Did he? He didn't like in carry that, an that, era. You don't think so? You don't think, don't think he, he wasn't like that early, that early two thousand era, that in between when the Rock and Austin sort of. But so was Michaels and Brett. But but I don't think the in between eras really count. Oh, so fair. much because they weren't these well defined eras like you. And even Austin, yeah. maybe maybe like Austin Rock H. Is its own like era. Well, hey, here's the thing. It's really funny because I tend to like even Michaels and Brett. Like I, I right, but Austin and Rock. Like just to talk about that example, those two guys, like they they really transcended everything else. Like there was a, and I don't think like I like Triple H, and I I would not have him in the same conversation with those two because neither would he by the way right because those two were at a level that just it was untouchable to to even come close to those two stars and where i came from was there there was this like void where triple h was 
the basically the bad guy, the heel throughout the early two thousand, early to mid two thousands. Like you look at, he was the obstacle that Randy Orton had to get through. He was the obstacle Dave Batista needed to get through. He was an obs- He was the obstacle for John Cena to get through. Like he was kind of. And so yeah, so maybe I'm I'm not saying it right, but that's why that's why Triple H popped up is because he really was kind of the gatekeeper to to the guys like that or to the next guy. So, but uh, John Cena, I guess you know, I I think is the fits in that John uh, fits in that Rock and Austin sort of stratosphere. Like he was heads and tails above everybody else as a star. And those of you who are out there being like bullshit. You weren't watching, you weren't paying attention, or you were just you were part of those dudes who were booing him because you he he wasn't Ric Flair. Right. It's it, yeah, it's just so interesting because you're right. Like it, the whole I am kind of fascinated by everything from Michaels to H to Triple H, which is funny that it's bookended by those two. And in right. between you had well, I guess Brett came first, but you had Brett, you had Sean, you had Rock, you had Austin. You had, well, I guess you had Brett, Sean, Austin, Rock, Hunter. Like those, those five right. really encompassed like a decade, almost. Yeah, they very did much encompass so. a decade. But it's just so like not a single one of them really defines anything. We look at Austin and we look at Rock, but their longevity wasn't there for different. No, reasons. no, not at all. One for injury, one for Hollywood. Like, right. And could you, if the Rock but didn't they, go off to while Hollywood, they were there, though, if the Rock doesn't go to Hollywood, does Triple H have the career he had? I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. But um, but yeah, while they were there, they were amazing, and and Triple H was always that steady. It. What's that? And they were just it. Like they were. they were just it on the program, and that was like to take it a decade earlier. Like the thing that I found really interesting about the Hogan and Flair eras is there were no other guys. Now, one because of a horrific auto accident. You know, I think Magnum TA becomes another name we're talking about in a different light. Does he, if his career isn't cut short? But maybe in the WWE, what's maybe in the WWE in the eighties and early nineties. You know, the guy that they tried to make the next Hogan failed miserably uh, because he was a self-destructive, just he wasn't the guy. Like, he was a terrible guy. He wasn't really in it. Um, I don't know what he was in it for. Nobody understood the Warriors' brain. And Savage, and I love Randy Savage, um, but he just wasn't, this wasn't quite... He was, he was just that he was a half step to a step below Hogan. But it so really was okay. But is Savage not bad. are Savage and Triple H the same level? Maybe. And that's okay. I, remember, I mean, right? I, I once fan, I once fantasy booked them into a program once. You sure so did. So clearly I thought so. But I mean, are they at that same, like, like Triple H kind of a half step behind Austin and Rock? But Savage yeah, had a run at the top. Not, I mean, H and even a half step behind Sean. Yeah. Triple H had a lot of runs at the top, and notice we're not, you know, and, and title reigns aren't aren't one do what aren't what makes this right folks, because Randy Orton has had a bajillion title reigns. We both think he's a Hall of Famer. We both think he's a top guy. We are not including him in this conversation for a reason, right? 
I I put him higher than most because this, I, I this mean, came I would up too. recently. Because Triple H is what yeah, fourteen talk- time, yeah, fourteen time Triple H. Yeah. Is. Orton, like and I think Orton's fifteen. I'm gonna look it up, but Orton came up recently online, and it was very interesting. I saw, I saw this. I know the people who were not willing to consider Orton at a certain level. Orton also looks like fourteen time. <laughs> so, because some people have said that Orton should be the one to win the. Um, did he have the Universal ever? Orton never hold the Universal. I guess not. Um, not many people held the Universal though. So Orton, it came up if Orton should break the record, if Orton should be the one to break Sam right. Flair's record, and I love that idea. I really do, because Orton to me does have a place in wrestling history and a bigger place than most put him in. But yeah, I'd be okay if that was Orton's thing. Because Orton would hold seventeen time world, seventeen world championships, and not be the greatest of all time. But some people in these comments online were saying Orton's not top twenty. No. And I have to put Orton top twenty. And if yeah. I really sat down and made the list, I I could probably get him top ten, if not top like twelve. Orton's that well, damn good. Well, and this is the thing, because this. Hey. When you start to get into like top 20s or whatever, this is where your subjective nature comes in too, right? Because like they're going to be like, well, he's not as good as Eddie Guerrero. And, but the career yeah. is like the career in the and, ring. Okay. Remember, it's like if you had one drive to win the Super Bowl, you might pick Tom Brady. But if you had one quarterback to take you through the regular season, you might pick Peyton Manning. Just to give right. an example. I'm not here to argue that point with people. What's the new thing? Argue with the wall. That's what all the kids say nowadays. Not even yeah, yeah, kids. Yeah. It's people our age on Twitter saying argue with the wall when they know that's not what Twitter's for. Um, right. But to me, it's it's. I don't I like Orton. To me, is that it's just, they're just they, different people fill different roles. That's why I like yeah. the idea of just the, like tears. You got your top tier, you got your next tier, right, right. whatever. And and there's no limit and there's no minimum to how many people can be in these tiers. And to me, that top tier are your generation defining people. Yeah. Bruno, I don't I usually start at WrestleMania, right? That that's usually when right. I start things historically. But Bruno kind of, that's would be kind there. of when our Right. But Bruno and Race would be there. And then you start with yep. WrestleMania, you've got Hogan, Flair. I would put, you know, at that point. Nate Bockwinkle, of course. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> Cena would go there. Roman would go there. The guy's about, about to tie the number of WrestleMania main events. Let's, I mean, let's talk about the 80s, though. What about Piper? But he's not, he didn't carry the generation. So to me, he'd be that's that fair. second or yeah. third tier. And that's okay. I mean, okay. They, there's probably like yeah, 10 yeah, plus yeah, tiers, right? And. And and the first three to five tiers are all time greats. They really are because right. the list of all time greats is huge. Because there's been multiple mm-hmm. companies, there's been weekly episodic television, there have been right. so many people that have come and gone, and and longevity sometimes plays a role and sometimes doesn't play a role, and sometimes a lack of longevity adds to somebody's legacy because oh, they yeah. were lightning in a bottle. Steve Austin. And honestly, in terms of runs at the top, the rock. Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, like Eddie was a great yeah, performer in the mid card for decades. 
But once he hit the top, he wasn't there very long because tragically we lost him. And, and, and there's a lot of what could have been. And sometimes the what could have been, like, like the, you know, the WrestleMania 22 or 23 match that should have been, I think it was 22, that should have been Shawn Michaels and Eddie Guerrero. Like, like imagine had we gotten that. Yeah, probably, probably submit that a, match. Literally, that match, a, the, just the thought of that match adds to his legacy, even though it never happened. So it's so that's why I like the the tiers or putting them in different tiers or doing what you can do because I think it's impossible to establish a greatest of yeah. all time. So unless you look at greatest I, as a non singular word, greatest of all time is a group, and I think we could put people in that group. Wilson, you sent the game winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a four fifty five meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Right. We could make a list of greatest this. of all time. We, we could. Well, I mean, they, I mean, people do it all the time with their Mount Rushmore's and, and stuff yeah. like that. What what about some of these defunct companies? Are there any all time greats out of these defunct companies like WCW? Is it just Flair? I mean, the Sting, Sting is a top. T- Sting is is in one of the top tiers. Yeah. Sting is an all time great. Um, so if AEW lives, who cements themselves as the as kind of the all timer? For this first era of AEW, because it's only been around for four years, right? Right. Like so, so it's it's hard to be like this is going to be who was the greatest of all time or, or the all timer for AEW. Well, uh, setting I find personal, that to be really tough. Setting personal preference aside, because I have in to. the Bucks, huh? The Bucks <sighs> tag teams don't carry anything; they don't carry a generation. True. So that's hard for them. I would have to say he'd have to have more run at the top than he's had so far. But the path has been laid out for Kenny Omega to, to be. Yeah, he's, to be he him. just hasn't he just hasn't been on the show. Well, he's been hurt, then like, he had visa issues, and then they're right, tr- just, like his consistency on the show is, right. is the guy has here's been there part yet. of the problem. They're, they're working him back in. Well, yeah. well, and here's part of the problem too. Sometimes we, you try to be unselfish. And, mm-hmm. but if you look at these guys who are really among the all time greats, they were all selfish. They take it. They took oh, it. Oh, yeah. They didn't give it. They didn't give it, it away. It work for me, bro. And if you took it from them, you took it from them. And even when they tried, like they tried to go to Warrior, and a year later, we're back to Hogan. So, right. you know, they tried to I go mean, to Luger. It didn't even happen. So, I mean, right. it just, you know. Not, e- not even slamming. A, a giant Samoan on an aircraft carrier, right? And driving around on a bus could get him. Who wasn't even really yeah. Samoan in terms of storylines, right? Well, in terms of storylines, he was he was Japanese. Japanese. Um, but it's it's just so like. But so I think Kenny Omega is among the candidates for this. I do yeah. think MJF is among the candidates for this as well. Yeah. Um. The problem I'm so worried is they're going to cut his water off in some way. Well, the problem with AEW is everything is rushed. All right. I'll, yeah. I'll give you an example. 
since MJF won, and they only do the four pay-per-views a year, so that's part of it. They don't have to do monthly pay-per-views. They're going right to an Iron Man match between Daniel Bryan Daniels and an MJF. They're skipping the one-on-one match and going right to an okay. Iron Man match, which is crazy in my opinion because their May pay-per-view is called Double or Nothing. Double or Nothing usually right. means, okay, I lost the bet, so now let's go Double or Nothing. So you have MJF beat Daniel Bryan Danielson at Revolution, and Danielson wants another shot. So he wants to go double or nothing. So we're going to up the stakes. It's going to be an Iron Man match. If he loses, he can't challenge MJF again. You know, whatever you want to put, whatever stipulation you want to put on there. That stipulation was so strong, Cody left the company. Like, it, it, it's right. that's not obviously not why. But uh, Cody could have been that in that category had he stayed. Yep. Um then, so so I've got Kenny Omega, I've got MJF. I think you could do it with Hangman Page. Maybe. Yeah, and he's young. He's young. He's young, yes. You could so. do it with John Moxley. Is there something weird about a, a Moxley or a Daniel Bryan Danielson being WWE guy? Not WWE guys in the sense that they were like homegrown and raised there, but like... You know, clearly the like they were big. They were they were significant deals in the other company. So I'll. There's two answers to your question. Okay. Yeah. The short answer is no. The long answer is, you could put Hogan in that category for WCW. Sure. And so if you put Hogan in that category for WCW, this is a fucking brilliant conversation. People got to listen to this. This is going to blow some people's minds. Like this is in, we had no plans on talking about this stuff. But but Hulk Hogan was Hulk Hogan. Yes. Before he went to WCW. Of course. But he then defined WCW. Technically, Hulk did Hogan was Hulk Hogan. Or did the NWO? The NWO it's would Hulk never Hogan. have been as as it was without Hogan. Like Bischoff himself has I said, mean, if it yeah. were Sting. Yeah. They never would have achieved the the heights that the NWO achieved. Probably not. Yeah, you're with, you're, with you're right there. Because it was Hogan. It was the red and yellow being abandoned for the black and white. It was all of that. Um, so I'm comfortable. Plus AEW, again, they're trying to establish yourself in a matter of a couple of years. You got to take other people's talent. You just can't homegrow them all. Like like you just can't. And they've done right by some homegrown talent. Hangman Page's title run was bad. That, 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 you know, his first match, he goes to a draw. He loses it too quickly, like all of that. But, um, so we've got Kenny Omega, MJF, Hangman Page, John Moxley. I think that's it for now. I would like to be able to say in a few years, you could put a Ricky Starks in that list. You could put, I mean, God, dare I say it. probably couldn't hear the sound bite, but you could put an Adam Cole on that list. Um now that he's back. What about um where's Jericho Fitness? Jericho, he yeah, he was their first world champion, but he is he's, he's that, the star maker. He's he's their triple H. Yeah. He's yeah. their triple H. And and I think he knows it. And I think ten years from now when he's finally retired and everything, he'll probably he'll probably use that term to phrase to, to talk about himself. When Jericho's actually done with the business and no longer has to self-promote the level he has to self-promote, he's going to be fascinating to listen to. He might become a personal favorite to listen to at that point, to be honest with you. Like, 
I, I, when we get that clearly no ulterior motive, Chris Jericho, I think it's going to be amazing. And and could you imagine when we get that someday, right? This whole thing falls apart and they sell and Triple H leaves or whatever, right? I, could you imagine right. 10 years from now, a sit-down interview, Chris Jericho and Triple H? Like, like, like mm. with no filters, with great. no Ta- towing of company two. lines. It would be amazing. No table for three, table for two. Table. I don't even need a third. I don't want a third. Um, that would just be amazing. Uh, and, of course, I have – this past few months of Chris Jericho has, like – I've been cool with Jericho again. Like, he became less annoying because I realized he now sees himself – as a comic book character in a lot of ways, like the comic book character right. version I mean, of Chris Jericho. Do you see him with Danhausen? Yes. And that's why I tweeted that because it looked like Danhausen was fanboying for Jericho. Like it looked like Jericho right. was the actual Danhausen and Danhausen was cosplaying. Like that's what it looked like to me. Um, but it was the opposite. So I, I got one last, I got one last name that we haven't talked about that. I feel like we kind of have to talk about um, from the WWE. WWE guy, Undertaker. Yeah, it's so weird because he's definitely in one of those top tiers. But he was like he, he was the attraction. He was the sure. everybody always looked for like the next Andre. He was the next Andre. Even though they yeah. were there together, they overlapped, which people don't always realize. But by time Undertaker was Undertaker, Andre was gone. And he really filled that Andre role because, yes, he was champion at times, but he never needed it at all. Sometimes he was champion because it needed him. Uh, maybe more when he was the American badass, that that was different because he was no longer supernatural. Somehow he turned it off for a little bit and then brought it back. Whatever it's wrestling, but well, you can always you can always bring back the gay spooky, Greg. Like you can just you yeah. can just always summon the gay spooky. You can shoot lightning from your hands and collapse rings and make it misty. Anytime. And then just hop back on your motorcycle for, you know, right. 30th anniversary episodes raw. Taker is, I don't even know who to compare him to. Like who would be the Taker equivalent in the NWA? Like, I don't even know that there is one back Taker? then. Oh God. Cause Dusty wouldn't be it. And, and there was and, nobody really like that. Like, no. cause, cause your, cause your bad guys in the eighties were, were the horsemen. And the other thing already got introduced. Maybe Arn Anderson, but but I don't think so. But no, like, but yeah, I, no, I don't, I don't see it. Even though he did Spinebuster Taker at a WrestleMania, that was yes. a surprisingly great moment. Oddly enough, <laughs> people went nuts for it. When I go, well, yeah, I go back and I look at it now, and I was like, wow, he he was probably tickled pink to get to do that. Oh, Taker to the probably loved Taker. it. Taker probably loved it too. Oh yeah, Taker to take it and him to do it. But yeah, it, it is weird. But he, the Undertaker is another fascinating. It's like the Undertaker and Triple H were like, are probably two of the biggest unsung heroes in the company's history, because they have had so many title runs between the two of them that happened beca- out of need. Right. Like Triple the, H's I last world title what? run was because they needed an opponent for Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 32. Because Seth Rollins got right. hurt. And so Triple H ends up winning the Royal Rumble to win the belt so he can lose it back to to Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. But, but I will say about The Undertaker, you know, you talked about them having their thing. His thing was the streak. 
eventually. Yes. Like it just became the streak. Like that Which is became, more valuable than a championship. Right. To to the point where there are people out there who are like, he should have never lost it, or he should have never been broken. I'm amongst those. Like I didn't want to see him break. Like I didn't want to see the streak break. And maybe I didn't want to see the streak break to Brock Lesnar. Because oddly enough, Greg, do we talk about him differently if the streak remained intact through his retirement? Do we Nobody talk about ever beats him at WrestleMania. The Undertaker. Do we talk about The Undertaker and his legacy? Because when he lost the streak, like let's like just be real. When he when when the streak ended, suddenly his match at WrestleMania wasn't special. As special, I should say. Like it just wasn't as special. You lost something from that mystique because the mystique of the right. streak was part of what made that great for him. It's very interesting and because he lost he only lost twice at Mania. You know, he right. lost to, to, to Brock, he lost to Roman. If he doesn't lose right. to Brock, he probably still loses to Roman. So now Roman Absolutely. took the streak from him. Or maybe they change his they change their mind, he loses to Bray Wyatt, who knows? But he beats Cena. That was my God, we were so wrong. And then of course he yep. wins. You know, he doesn't appear at 35. Um and then he comes back and, and does the the cinematic match at 36, the boneyard match with AJ. And that's, you know, again, forever his last opponent will be AJ Styles. And and it's just it, yeah, Taker is just so interesting. If he'd never lost a streak, eventually the narrative would turn around that it was selfish. Right. Even though when I bet I bet you a million dollars, it would have never been like he he and anybody would tell you it would never been his call. Like it would have been kind of his call, but like in the the day, he was so loyal to Vince McMahon. Right. Which, you know, like if there's things that I buy out of carefully cultured WWE documentaries, I do buy his his relationship with Vince as as you see it on, on camera. Like I think that's that's the real deal. Because he was the safety, like he was always there whenever things were needed, and he was a locker room guy, and he protected the company, like he he protected the business. Right. What's, what's crazy 1000%. is that I can't envision a world where the street doesn't end. As old school as Taker is, I mean, he literally, right. you know, he he literally would like they had a move called old school. I'll say it again. The guy had a move called old school. Not because the move was old school, anything. But it was because uh, of what he did as a performer and who he was. That's why he was old school. So he was so old school, I don't think he would have been satisfied in retiring if he didn't lose the streak. I really don't. So do you think – so you think – because I always wonder, like, I think that he definitely wouldn't have felt comfortable retiring with, like, without, you know, facing the lights. Like, I think that old school piece is true. I wonder, because I think the streak could have been intact and he could have gone full circle and ended his career at Survivor Series. Uh, and, you know, maybe it doesn't hold the same meaning if he doesn't lose it wrestling. I don't know. Um, but it is. It's definitely interesting food for thought. I was... um it's just it's so crazy because of how much he permeated the company for 20 plus years you know from from beginning to end and from a character that you thought would have no legs beyond 
being another monster to feed Hogan. And, and he just, they just kept finding things to do with him and they found ways to, to keep him going. And he found ways to keep that character fresh. And that's just beyond impressive. And if you look I, at everybody, everybody who exists at those tiers, all those names we said, Hogan, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Triple H. Every single one of them had a run with The Undertaker. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Every single one of them. Cena, not so much. Yeah. Roman did. But Hell, even Orton some did. names we haven't talked about. Ed, Edge. Edge is another one I was going to bring up until we got on the Taker topic because... Because you talked about Taker and the streak, and the streak was his thing, even though he was, you know, won the world title so many times. Edge was a stat was was made by Money in the Bank, right? And then, of course, became the multi-time world champion and and one of the one of the true among the greatest of all time. After I said the window of opportunity it closed, so again, I'll be wrong. yes, you did. I love being wrong. We're we're all, we we're often wrong, and fans. we're okay with it, and we should be. That's that's part of the fun of, of pro wrestling. Um, and, and so I agree with like, yeah, it's just fascinating. I honestly think he would have kept coming back had he not lost. I really do. Uh, unless he had lost to Roman and people don't remember this. He retired after the Roman Reigns match. He talked about it in his special on the WWE network. That's why they did the boots right. thing. That's why they did the, the costume, all that stuff. Cause he just didn't know. Then when he had the surgery, yep. then he knew he could come back. But he wasn't sure what was on the other side of that match, so he had to do something to retire, just just in case that was it. Whereas Triple yeah, H never exactly. got that. Triple H had his, I think his, I can't remember what's his last match, like a tag match or something like Triple H. Is like I can't even remember what his last match was. Now was that but, the one with him and Michaels in Saudi Arabia that went like I think there was really really bad with might have been the Brothers of Destruction? Um, I'll look it up, but. Yeah, it's Triple it's H still, just one day was retired. Well, he had the heart attack and, and basically was told, well, yeah. that's it. And so then he had to turn around and, and be like, well, here's my boots. And just kind of did it, you know, put him down and, and did the WrestleMania. Last televised open. match was a super, super showdown 2019 against Randy Orton in Saudi Arabia, according to what I'm saying. I see that. Then he wrestled two matches in Japan later that month. Really? He teamed with or he teamed with the club, Aegis Dallas Carlinson and Luke Gallows to beat Baron Corbin, Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre, and Samoa Joe at a house oh, show. Oh, at a Japan. house show. And then he teamed with Shinsuke Nakamura to beat Bobby Roode and Samoa Joe. His last match that I can find show. documentation of is June 29th, 2019. Teaming with Shinsuke Nakamura to beat Bobby Roode and Samoa Joe. How insane is that? That that's Triple that's H's crazy. last match. That is that is absurd. And that will be like he's really done is. done. Like he knows he cannot do it again. Like he even said it during the Raw Thirty promo. He was like, "Guys, I'm retired." Like, yeah, he, he made a joke. Yeah, he made yeah. the joke. So, and his legacy will be more than in the ring. He may go down right a step under Vince McMahon as the second most important right. person in the history of the business. When you combine what he, he did in the ring with, like when you and look at a Mount Rushmore now. of importance to the business, it may be Vince, Triple H, 
Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair. Like that may be what it is in the end. Here, um, here, here's the thing that's it's nuts, dude. I just I just thought it was we haven't even talked about the other side of the pond. And no figures there right. because this has been a like, decidedly American wrestling like conversation. Antonio Noki, uh right. for example, like just to name one. Does Akata become that for New Japan once he hangs him up? Um shoot, I'm forgetting all the names that I was gonna drop off. Um fuck the franchise. Why am I blanking on his name? In Japan? Yeah. You talking about uh Tanahashi? Yeah, Tanahashi, yeah. Yeah, I mean, of course you got uh, the four, you know, ghetto. the four pillars of heaven. Um, You've got like yep. like so many that are yeah, there's you know, just just so many things that are out there that that can be looked at for Japan. And that's Sawa, honestly like um, Kobashi and yeah, just so many. Kobashi, yeah. I am not equipped to even have that conversation. Like I'm just not. So no, get a balaz on here now. Get a blast. Oh my god! If we did, just imagine. So what this all boils down to, and there's no right answer, is after 43 <laughs> minutes of conversation, it is impossible to have a greatest of all time. But it is possible to have a greatest of all time group and argue over that and it's possible to tear people and it's possible to look at how what, what's built this business and what it's become um but it's impossible to have one singular greatest of all time because that's just not how the business has worked um so let's go to commercial and then let's come back and do the list promotional consideration paid for by the following hey folks pc tony here thanks to our new partnership with angry lemonade you can save 10 percent on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code chairshot Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. I almost just kind of ran into it without playing any sound bites. Shut your dumb mouth. You just made the list. It is time to make the list. We have so much fun doing this every week that we do it here on The Greg DeMarco Show with Greg DeMarco and Patrick O'Dowd. We come up with a topic. We take turns putting them on the list. Then we take turns putting them in order of the list. It's, it's not a top six. It's just our list of the day. If we if we were to go back and redo a list, and we probably will at some point, it could have different outcomes because it is how we feel on that day. And this week's list, although we could just do top six of the greatest of all time or six of the greatest of all time, we're going to stick with the original idea is the polar opposite of what we talked about <laughs> earlier in the show. This is the list of occupational gimmicks in pro wrestling. Someone who is a pro wrestler, but while they're in the ring, they look, feel, sound, everything like they're doing some other job. The list of of occupational gimmicks. We're going to pick six of this absurdly long list of occupational gimmicks and say, hey, you just made the list. So, Patrick O'Dowd, it is my topic. I came up with this topic. So, you get to go first. What is the first thing we're putting on the list of occupational gimmicks? Well, I just can't justify not putting this guy on the list. We just spent a significant period of time talking about him. Uh, He measures coffins. He puts dead bodies in them. He used to literally put his victims in a body bag after defeating them in a match the Undertaker, which is like, crazy because, like, I wasn't even thinking about that. Like, 
because like he started like yeah i no still, one thinks about he was a mortician memories, like, yeah my best memories of him are him with paul bear when he was feuding with the ugandan giant kamala and making the coffin yeah and he was just planing the boards like he was the undertaker man he was that's a job so undertaker my first choice i mean god how can you not right that makes perfect sense i would never have put him on the list just because it's just not how I think about him, you know? Right. Was he on your list originally or did he join your list after yeah. we had all this conversation? Okay. Yep. Right smart. Very smart. Okay. So my first contribution to the list, and there's a few, I'm trying to figure out what direction to go in first, but um, I actually won't go with the one I was initially thinking. I'll go with one that, that might even be further down the card. The polar opposite of the career of The Undertaker. But one of my two favorite occupational gimmicks of all time goes to a trash man who came to the ring in a, in a, in a, in a Navy blue one piece uniform and a trash can. And that is none other than Duke, the dumpster Drossy. He He was on my list of names as well, sir. Oh, I'm sure. And now this gets hard. Does it get hard because now we're going to have people that aren't on the list? Greg, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I wrote eight. eight I wrote eight names down. This is going to. I be have hard. like four or five in my head. I didn't even write them down because I knew that I'd remember them. So. Well, I just keep forgetting them. Like I would just, I would forget them yeah. if I don't. Um, well, we're so only at two. We still have four looking, more to go. Right, but I only have two more choices, and one of them is already a lock. So I'm going to do my other lock. Okay. Because this guy was my all-time favorite mid-carder uh, and is low-key my favorite guilty pleasure WrestleMania match of all time in which he faces one Jake the Snake Roberts in a blindfold match. Yes, my friends, I am talking about the model Rick Martel. And for those of you who clown on that WrestleMania seven match, go back and watch it and really pay attention to the psychology behind. Oh yeah. Jake Roberts pointing to a corner and people losing their shit. And then the model trying to do it too. And the, the, the arena going silent. It is way more clever than it had any right to be. Uh, but I loved the model. I loved his music. I loved his character. I loved, he made me love the Boston Crab. And it all started at WrestleMania 5 when he walked out on Tito. Just great. And Tito, with his occupational gimmick, not going places the way the model Rick Martel and his occupational gimmick got him. Solid run on the mid card. And what's interesting is that I, um, yes, I don't consider the model. model to be like an occupational gimmick either. Like, it's very, it's good. It's Why good not? He's, it's, he's a model. Oh, I get it. He had, his, he had his fragrance. He had arrogance. I get it 100%. That giant it's, aerosol can, man. I, I, I obviously was too narrow in my occupations. That's okay. So I've got, I can probably, uh, there's three that I want to add to the list, but yeah. I only have two left. So it's, it's going to be part of the, the tough situation yeah. of figuring out what they're, here come the Skype messages that we were talking about earlier. Um, oh man, what I was okay. I'm gonna go with this one first, 
And and one of my favorites might end up being left off the list. But after being this this badass bodyguard character in the National Wrestling Alliance, Big Bubba Rogers would eventually make yeah. his way to the World Wrestling Federation as a prison guard. And that prison guard became the iconic character known as the Big Boss Man. And so for me... I got to put the big boss, man. Doing hard times. Cobb County, Georgia. Cobb County, Georgia. Georgia. You just made the list. The big boss, man, is the fourth member to join our list. My second occupational gimmick. One half of the most wrong tag team ever created with Akeem, the American Dream. (laughs) The Twin Towers. (laughs) There's so many things that were wrong with the key of the American dream or the uh, African, the dream. African dream. Sorry. African dream. He was not dusty Rhodes. All right. I'm going to go with another all time favorite. This is another occupation. I'm not sure if you thought of it the same way. This character was originally introduced as a heel, a despised heel kind of character that ended its evil run way too soon and became this fun trickster character that everybody grew to love evil clowns are real clowning is an occupation once the clown was in my opinion i know you probably couldn't hear it but i was playing the doink the clown music But Doink the Clown was one of those heel gimmicks that I thought was so great, so real. Kids are either either love clowns or they're straight up terrified of them. And Matt Bourne played that character so damn well. And then when they turned, when they made him a good guy and had dinks and had a, uh, they just ruined a good thing. Love Doink the Clown. Gonna go with Doink as my final so- choice. For occupational gimmicks so far, we have you have a mortician, a model, and a circus clown. Oh, I yeah, have a I trash do. man and a prison guard. And I'm struggling with which one of my next two options I'm going to add. Now, of course, after the commercial break, we can share what we didn't include. But um, I'm going to go against the first thing I thought of. And put a tag team on the list because there's no tag team on the list. Oh, well, I, but think I, I think I know what you're doing. Before there was Bo and Blake, the Beverly brothers, <laughs> they yes. wrestled in Patrick O'Dowd's favorite American Wrestling Association for Vern Gagne. Yes, they did. And they came to the ring with construction vests and orange tar- tights and sometimes a roadblock and anything else. And Mike Enos and Wayne Bloom, one of the most underrated tag teams in wrestling history, were known as the Destruction Crew. They should have been the Construction yes, Crew they based were. how they dressed, but they were known as the Destruction Crew. And so I am going to put the Destruction Crew on the list. So it might be the only time that we can say to Mike Enos and Wayne Bloom, You just made the list! So Patrick Redown has a mortician, a model, and a circus clown. I have a trash man, a prison guard, and construction workers. 
That's <laughs> awesome. On our list. This is a good list. So good list. it hasn't been that long since we went to commercial. So we are going to do our honorable mentions now and then go to commercial and put them in the list. So what didn't make the cut? Well, let me go first. Because um, there's a good chance okay, that my first. one that I really wanted to put on the list is on your list. And you could probably guess because I've put this person on a list before. And I put this person on a list of, and I think you came up with this, or maybe I came up with this. I don't know who came up with this. List titled, I like it and I don't care. Because basically, <laughs> it's what I like. It doesn't matter if you like it or not. Where I had things like Jinder Mahal and Old Man Chris yep. Jericho, and you had things like Carmella. It was like our, it was like our guilty, and the it was our guilty pleasure list. Jimmy Valiant. And I had on the list, The Repo Man. And I wanted to put the repo I, uh, man on the list so bad. I did. I did not have the repo man on my list until like three seconds ago because I just remembered him. So the but, other uh, one, not surprised that he was on. The- I'll see if it's on your list or not that I wanted to put on. Would have more fallen into the category of your type of game, occupations that you put on there, because mine yep. would be, and it's a legitimate occupation. People do it; they have to pay taxes on it. Is a card player. Oh, yeah. He's on here. And that would have been the gambler. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So that those are the main ones that I'm going to put. And I, I actually, I, you know, half expected the gambler to make your list. So. He's a, when no, not this time around. Um, well, but here's the thing is I, I actually went with. I was really strong with the, the mid card game of the 80s and 90s. Like, that's really where I rocked it with this list um i have three other names on on my list uh brutus the barber beefcake absolutely barber who came in late um though he did come by that gimmick as a result of wrestlemania 3 so it wasn't like he was a barber the whole time um everyone's favorite tax man erwin i I expected him to be on Um, your list at some point and then my tag team who was also not just a tag team because he worked solo first and then we had the tag team, the Mountie. Uh, and then we, later we would get the Mounties. The Mounties. Uh, Complete with a brand uh, new theme song where they said, we are the Mounties. Yes. The Mounties. Yes, it was a great song and part of the, their appeal. Uh, so those were those were the amongst the three. I did have Big Boss Man on there. Um, I did have Duke the Dumpster Drossy on there. He was probably the second one I thought of after Rick Martell. Right. Um, there's so there's so many good, so many good gimmicks out there um, that were based on jobs that you know that we didn't even get to. So um, there really are. There really are. So we're gonna go to commercial. We're gonna come back and put this bad boy in order. Our list of occupational gimmicks. You just made the list. This is your boy Kenny Killer telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. Went to the first commercial 44 minutes in the program, went to the second commercial 57 minutes in the program. <laughs> Quite the nice. 44 minutes and 13 minutes. Um, all right, so now we're going to take this group of six occupational gimmicks. You just made the list! And put them in order. So it was my idea, my my list. So I get to go first. 
And Patrick O'Dowd, I would be irresponsible of me if I didn't steal one of yours. Because Fair enough. this person, I mean, he transcended an occupational gimmick. He was literally in our conversations amongst the greatest of all time. Right. So how could we put him below, like, you know, Duke the Dumpster Drossy? So I have to put The Undertaker at number one on the list. Excellent. Well, and in fairness, Turnabout is uh, Turnabout is fair play. Um, I'm going to take one of yours because of the names that are left, you know, the big boss man had quite the career. Oh yeah, uh, in his you know in his multiple iterations, and, and I mean he would he would have two stints as the big boss man. He'd just be the boss man. Right. When he came back the second time around with his black flak jacket and all that. So um is Ray Trailer in any Hall of Fames? I think he's in the WWE. I mean he should be if he isn't. I honest to God don't know. I'm looking it up. But he's my number two. So the big boss man, I agree that he should be he should be there. Um, yes. He was okay. in the, the like, class of 2016. Wow. Missed that one. Yep. March 7, 2016 is when he was announced to be joining the Hall of Fame class. He was inducted by Slick. He had already passed by that point. So, um, yeah. So, since I'm just going to continue the trend of picking the other person's from the other person's contributions to the list because. Who knew that in, in, in the lore of wrestling history that a circus clown would become an iconic character that we still talk about to this day that is still ripped off on like every local indie you could imagine. Like Doink the Clown it is still appearing near you. And there's different Doinks. There's like Alabama Doink. There's an Arizona Doink. There are Doinks everywhere. I have to put number three as Doink the Clown. Excellent. Which allows me to then pick my favorite mid-carder of all time and the lone choice from my list because I ain't letting my boy, the model, Rick Martel, fall any farther on, on this program, sir. Would you have put him above Doink? Yes. Okay. Without a doubt. Okay. I fucking love Rick Martel. I know you do. Sorry. I know, I, 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 <laughs> I know you do. And that's okay. You're allowed. You're allowed to. So I have to now choose between two, two that are somewhat similar even, um, basically. And I got to give it to the dumpster. I got to go Duke the dumpster. Yeah, uh, you do. At number five, which leaves you with, which means the, with the destruction crew at number six, which frankly is where they should be <laughs> on this list. Like, yeah, they 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 were something to see in the AWA in its waning years, um, but yeah, come on, they're no Duke the Dumpster Drosy. They're not. No, they're just, they're just not. not. Not at all. You just made the list. So our list of occupational gimmicks: number one, the Undertaker; number two, the Big Boss Man; number three, Doink the Clown; number four, Rick the Model Martel. Number five, Duke the Dumpster Drossy. And number six, Mike Enos and Wayne Bloom, the Destruction Crew. Congratulations to all seven of you. You just made the list! 
man, like I, I half want to go back and like talk more about the greatest of all time and, and how you well, have that conversation. Dude, we didn't, we didn't talk about women. We didn't talk yeah. like, all right, so gentlemen, much. you have three minutes and you better make it good. We got three minutes and we're out of here. The clock is ticking and we're in the clear. We got three minutes and we're out of here. We got three minutes and we're out of here. I'm going to ask you a question. After okay. SummerSlam, which was, of course, the first event under Triple H's, um, you know, creative control, even though it's not the right phrase to use. Um, Every WWE premium live event, except for Saudi Arabia, which kind of lives in its own little thing because it's, it's got to be big and huge and over the top for Saudi Arabia. Every WWE premium live event has either had five or six matches on it. And that's it. Clash of the Castle had six. Extreme Rules had six. War Games had five. Survivor Series. Royal Rumble has had five. Right now, there, there are four announced for Elimination Chamber. Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley is expected to be number five. Many people are speculating that Damage Control versus Becky Lynch, Lita, and Trish Stratus will be number six. I, I Who knows? That could be a WrestleMania match for all we know. But could we be headed towards two nights of WrestleMania with six matches each? Like, could that... Because Triple H in takeovers, they were always five and six matches under Triple H and NXT. Right. And so, and now majority of his pay-per-views have been that way. He, he, SummerSlam was built before he took over, so that's different. But outside of Saudi Arabia, which probably wouldn't have gone for six matches, they probably wanted more anyway, because some of the Saudi Arabia shows have had like 10 and 11. Um, could that be? Because it would still be 12 matches. We've had individual WrestleMania right. more than 12 matches. And, and right. we could see uh, a, a six and six for, for WrestleMania. And that's just... I think I would like it to be honest with you. Um, it's just kind well, it's of a tighter program. Things. Yeah, it's a tighter program. I I wouldn't be opposed to it. It wouldn't surprise me if we did. I, you know, it's it depends on what story. Like, because there's already some notes. It just sort of depends on what, what storylines they're going to shake out. Like a lot, of, a few of those spots have already been taken uh, heading into WrestleMania, right. or at least we we presume they've been taken. So. I also, I mean, the spectacle's not going to go away. Hell, even no. the Royal Rumble was still a spectacle, even with its six matches. But five, the Royal Rumble itself, five. Yeah, I mean, the Rumble itself, the Rumbles themselves. Like you're looking at an hour each, right yeah, there. Yeah, they were both so over like, an hour. Yeah, like that in and of itself doesn't lend itself to then have a bunch of other matches alongside of it. Um, I know that's Triple H's mo. It wouldn't surprise me if there are more matches on day one of me. Maybe it's eight and eight. Um, like which is what I think last, last year was like eight and seven, right? And then the year before so, but, that was seven six, and seven. So, but yeah, like six and six, seven and seven. That seems like a a reasonable amount of time yeah. for a. It would have been night to me. Event. It would have been more fathomable had they really done away with Money in the Bank and and yeah. we had Money in the Bank matches because you could have done one each night at WrestleMania, and that takes up twelve to fourteen competitors right there, and and giving them a spot yep. on the card. Uh, we could still see the multi-man ladder match, maybe for the United States Championship, if they go with Gunther versus Sheamus versus Drew McIntyre, which they should, for the Intercontinental mm -hmm. Championship. Um, yeah, it's it's a very interesting situation that we could see for this this next. You know, I just published an article um, about what they could do with Stand and Deliver for NXT, 
And I could, could get to like eight or nine matches with the storylines in NXT right now. So, and that never happens. <clears throat> the most they ever do is six. And so maybe they do. They did six as pastime. Maybe they do seven. Who knows? But it's, yeah, it just seems to be a shift, a shift in how it's done. But this is WrestleMania. But it was also Royal Rumble. It was also Survivor Series. And it means people will be left off the card. But that's just kind of part of how it goes. Not everybody has to be on every show. So very interesting to see yeah. how that is going to go and how that's going to work. So that will do it for this week's edition of the Greg DeMarco Show. If for some reason it's a podcast, so I don't know how, but if for some reason you only tuned in the second half of the show, go back and listen to the first half because it was some of my favorite conversing about professional wrestling on a podcast ever. Um, it was. It, what's funny too is, is we kind of opened but didn't really fully talk about it. We literally, we started talking and Patrick asked a question and I was just like, uh, okay, we just got to start, we just got to start recording and talk about this because it was just too good and we probably would have had a 40 minute conversation about it off air had we not recorded it. So, um, it's for the better. But, the greatest of all time conversation will continue for a long time because it is something that is so definitive and people want to put that on somebody, but really can't be done. And, and so it'll be a topic that comes up from time to time, but hopefully you learned something. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Cause I know we did talking about it. So go follow Patrick O'Dowd at wrestling realist. It's W R E S T L N G R E A L I S T. There's no I in wrestling, but there is one in realist. Go follow me at Greg DeMarco 44 at Chair Shop Media for the website that brings you sports and entertainment and sports entertainment, thechairshot.com. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Here comes the big dog. The big dog, Roman Reigns. The big dog. And we kick off Monday Night Raw live tonight in Phoenix, Arizona with the big dog. We went through a whole show and didn't even talk about the Ro- any Roman Reigns bloodline storyline, like any of that stuff. Like we literally just went. Didn't have to, man. No, we, we and we got plenty and, of time. And and they and plenty of people are talking about that on you know the ten other wrestling podcasts that we have on the network. So and elsewhere too, like it's all over the place. Yeah, it's, that's the story. fucking Ambrose. And we'll get back to sure. it because it's going to continue to dominate as we head towards right. WrestleMania, as it should. And I still haven't even seen the amazing promo that everybody's talking about between Cody Rhodes and Paul Heyman. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens there. But that's it. That's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed the conversation um, because I know we sure as hell did. So we appreciate you listening. Tell a friend. Have lots of fun. We will do it again next week. And until then, just remember, do yourself a solid. Always use your head. It's a shameful thing Chairshot.com. Always use your head. Acknowledge me. You just made the list.